0: Motors and welcome to episode 20 of Uncharted Territory. We have another jam-packed show for you this evening, full of a lot of great old wrestling memories, if our memories aren't faulty. And we're going to get into that in just a, just a couple of minutes. But uh, as usual, we'd like to take a moment to introduce ourselves, this talented crew that has now been coming to you for uh, 20 episodes now, which is hard to believe, when they said it wouldn't last past one. Uh, my name is Stu Lowry. I'm down in sunny Virginia, beautiful 65 degrees today, thereabouts, and absolutely perfect day. Slight breezes blowing out of the north, just a great day today. Uh, nice to be alive. With that, let's go around the Zoom room, and I know this this is Grant's favorite part is the weather, so let's, uh, let's talk it up, guys. Uh, Tim Dalton from beautiful Buffalo, how are you, sir?
1: Doing well, Stu, doing well. So slightly chillier here. We're we have been in the 20s. We're looking to be uh, probably a little chilly until the, through the weekend. But then uh, next week uh, we're looking to 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 maybe hit 60. So I mean it uh, could be a big swing here. Uh, but but right now we're we're in the 20s and at night it's in the teens and uh, luckily not a lot of uh, uh, snow or anything like that coming in. But just uh, just just in the chill chest for now and then hopefully. Uh, next week things will uh, start looking like spring.
0: Perfect. Let's go to the first of our Olson brothers. The last shall be first. Corey Olson, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. Hello, promoters. Nice to talk to you once again. Uh, We've actually had a little bit of a breaking our cold um been much nicer the last couple days i think chad referenced on a recent episode where you know if it even gets like 30s and 40s in the midwest you're wearing no jacket and and some are even brave enough to wear shorts and that's what it's kind of like right now we got into the 50s high 40s uh like buffalo we're supposed to get to the 60s i think by next week at least one day probably not going to stick around and i'm sure we'll have another snowstorm here but um yeah enjoying this nicer weather my wrestling season um, got started late this year so we're getting down to the, the nitty gritty getting down to the last competitions and uh, tournaments in the next couple of weeks so uh, yeah just looking forward to finally getting to spring
0: excellent I'm thinking we should put a giant weather map up when we do this segment and give a, an I actual agree. forecast yeah uh, I, we, we got this thing
3: down Stu we don't have video on this podcast
0: which <laughs> just we for don't. us
3: oh gotcha gotcha <laughs> It's just for Troy, us. Troy guess Troy Peterson thought we did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, with that, Chad, take it away. How are you tonight?
3: Oh, good evening, everyone in Podcast Land. I am doing awesome. It's been uh, mid forties. I saw a thing on Twitter, you know you're a midwesterner when it temperature goes up seventy degrees in a week and it's still only forty. So <laughs> um, very fitting it was a little breezier day a little chilly but it looks i'm looking at the weather gimmick right now it says we're supposed to have some mid-60s starting next week so that's good I'm starting to um have a little league baseball season for my son who's a fifth grader so because of that we're taping a little later the show might come out a, a day or so later i don't know Corey and i are going to hit the nose to the grindstone after this episode tapes try to launch it on friday but if not you know you can't be mad at us, and you certainly can't be mad at a fifth grader. So, peace out.
0: Well, you get what you pay for with uncharted territory.
3: Exactly.
0: <laughs> Want well, to kick things off? Is is our usual tradition. We're going to talk about what's new, not only in the world of wrestling, but also in the world of Philsinger Games. And we've got a question from loyal promoter Grant Choco. But Shoko, I was always—I've always scared of mispronouncing Grant's last name. So let's hear that, and then we'll get into the answer.
4: Hey, friends, this is Grant, and I have a quick question for you. Now, I understand that this will be unofficial, um, but uh, I still want to ask this question. Now, I'm using in my uh, Legends of Wrestling Fed uh, Classy Freddie Blassie as a manager. I know he's in there as a wrestler, but I use him as a manager, um, and then I also use the manager johnny v card that came out uh so here are my two questions what distractor rating would you give classy freddie blassie i he doesn't have one on his current card uh what distractor rating would you give him and um for luscious johnny v's manager card his distractor rating is a five Do you still stand by that five as a distractor rating or would you give him a different rating if you released him today? That is my question. Again, I know it's not official, uh, but I appreciate your answers because I'll use them in my Fed.
2: All right, guys. Uh, Who wants to take that question on? Corey? Yeah, I'll I'll talk about this. Um, So with the Johnny V card, um, yeah, that was a um, uh, promoter, online promoter release. uh, One of the early ones, I do believe. And... You know, since the rule has kind of become that any wrestler can have a distractor rating of five, I would say, you know, should we re-release him at some point in color? Yeah, I think it's fair to give good old Johnny via uh, at least a six. I, I think that would be fair. What do you think, LOW team? I think okay. so. Sure. Anyway,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's been, if now the new standard is five for everybody, I think people yeah. who are official managers should probably all hit six at least. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If yeah, any, so. if any Yahoo can be a five, then then yeah, I think the the people that kind of did it for a living should should at least get a little bit of a bump up there. So
2: yeah, you'd have to be a pretty bad manager maybe to to only get a five. But uh, no, I think Johnny V would get a, a six. So we'll see when we can re-release it at some point. Um, and then as far as Classy Freddie Blassie, um actually in the Legends Eleven Handbook written by Stu Lowry. Uh, we did put an italicized note that both Blassie and his rival, John Tolos, the, gold, the other Golden Creek, excuse me, Stu, um, both of them uh, would get a distractor rating of five if you choose to use them as managers. You know, both, um, obviously Blassie had a good managing career in the WWF through the 70s and, and 80s, um, and a lot of fans know him in that role, but his, uh, his role as a singles wrestler was, was as big and probably bigger. Um, And so we really felt, you know, he needed to have a a strong wrestler card first and focus on that. Um, Some fans may not know, he was kind of wrapping up an active main event career in California, while at the same time, he'd fly out to the WWF territories and and do some managing there. So kind of doing both roles at at one point in his career. And Tolos, you know, uh, did some managing as well. Um, Of course, you know, fans will know him as, as coach from a brief time in the WWF, unfortunately. Uh, But I would say he's definitely more, more known for being a wrestler, but yeah, both of those guys did have the, the standard five uh, in the handbook. And uh, should we re-release them in color at some point? I don't know. We'll revisit that when we get there. If if we feel the need to alter those ratings. So gentlemen, anything else?
0: No. (laughs) versus shaking, shaking our heads and bad, bad. Sorry,
1: we thought we had video because uh <laughs> shaking in yeah, yeah, that shaking weather heads hat. really comes it's off well on, on the, weather yeah, and yeah, and the yep, audio.
3: Yep. But thank you Grant for the excellent question. We really yes. appreciate people who
2: and, take the time to do that. And I want to just throw in a plug uh, for Grant and uh, for what he did and what we've heard from Pete Beck and we had Wayne on last week. Um, you know, if you want to send us a listener message, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to take your questions. Um, you can go to our website, which is, okay, so you can go to anchor.fm backslash Corey, C-O-R-Y hyphen Olson, O-L-S-O-N number five. And uh, you can look for the message button. It's like a, says message with a plus sign on it. Click on that record. I believe it allows you to record a one minute audio clip. And just like Grant, we'd be happy to uh, put your audio here on the air and answer any questions you have. So thanks for listening and contributing fans.
0: So last night we had the, I get, I'm, I think that was the in-ring debut of Shaquille O'Neal, if I'm not correct. I don't think he's wrestled any
2: other time, or has he? Technically, he did the battle yeah. royal appearance. That's it. But, yeah.
0: And uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk about this a little bit. I, I was uh, – color me at least pseudo-impressed with uh, with, with Shaquille's – with Shaq's effort last night. The, the funniest part was seeing Cody try to body slam him. <laughs> he just he, – Pretty much got him, but it was it was uh, touch and go there if he was gonna actually get him <laughs> up and over. And then Shaq taking the uh the table dive uh, off the uh side of off the off the apron. ring was apron, yeah, was pretty impressive. Yeah, I turned on the match.
3: I mean I've yeah. seen far shittier performances from professional wrestlers.
0: Yeah. It was good. Me too. It was good.
3: And I, for I, what I thought, it was, it was good. Know, it, it just it, it just looked great because of the size
1: differential between him and Cody. Mm -hmm. so i mean you you just really got that you know this is what a seven foot guy looks like you know in in the ring and he he still you know he moved okay i mean he yeah like chad said you know been been a lot worse out there
4: um he's no no rocky mountain thunder
1: yeah (laughs) but uh no i thought i thought you know for what it was it was it was fine
3: and i was was that the first match that his partner had wrestled i don't know jade Cargle or whatever her name is like i, I know she's know. debuted recently but i don't know how much she's actually been in the ring i thought she had trained in the aew wrestling school and um i was i was pretty impressed with her for if it was her first time wrestling it was not too bad you know
0: No, she looked pretty good
3: yeah and red velvet the other competitor in that uh match you know just again she will be in the women's uh tournament at the Trago says hall of fame in july in waterloo iowa cheap plug
0: it was a fun match um, I was um, Shaq didn't phone it in he was in relatively good shape I noticed I turned on uh, the NBA game on TNT tonight and he was not in studio so he's either selling an injury or he's worn out one or the other but he was not uh, in his regular studio hosting gig tonight with oh, the, no. the boys on the TNT Yeah, maybe he's hurt you never know set up the rematch K-Fabit K-Fabit Uh. <laughs> Go
3: ahead, Jen. Well, I was gonna say the other um, couple of things from the AEW show. Tully Blanchard came back and teamed up with
0: mm-hmm.
3: FTR or whatever they're called now. Um, what are they called?
0: I'm blanking. Oh, fine. Okay.
3: It. You know, those guys. And yes, those guys. Uh, uh, sorry, our interns got let go. We had a new one. They lasted a day and a half. <laughs> they, they are FTR. Okay. They um, are still
0: FTR. I just Yep.
3: Uh, yep. And, uh, that that was kind of a fun match. It really shows how small Marco's stunt was when Tully Blanchard picked <laughs> him up to give him the slingshot suplex. I'm like, holy cow, that dude is tiny. And then... I didn't uh,
0: totally look, because I, I didn't get home in time for that.
3: Yeah, he, he was wearing like a full body suit, so he kind of looked like Jim Cornette. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> like with a better physique. But he had yeah. the whole, this whole red, red kind of like have a flap in the back, <laughs> you know, yeah. red underwear suit. <laughs> Um, and I guess he came out to the ring wearing, like, the National Heavyweight Championship or the World TV title or something. Nice. And then the FTR had the tag team, the NWA tag belts or something. They had J.J. Dillon with them. And I think J.J. shoe came into play. So it was kind of good. And then the other thing I wanted to mention about AEW was uh, Iowa's own J.J. Garrett's been on AEW Dark the past couple of weeks, and he's been a guy that we've, you know, booked on shows. I've seen him wrestle a lot. And so it's we just had him... I think in November of 2020 at one of our Facebook live shows. So he's a great guy and uh, wish him continued success with the AEW.
0: Oh, uh, we've got a report on young rock and resident alien, I believe from Chad and Tim. So you guys take it away, sir. Sir, That's,
3: This is our new entertainment portion of the program.
0: Wow. Very nice. <laughs>
3: <Timmer> <laughs> turned me on to uh, the show called resident alien the sci-fi network and he mentioned it. I don't know. I think it was just this past weekend, and my wife and I binged through about four the first four or five episodes, however many were, and then there was a new episode last night. And I don't know, Tim, yeah. you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, it,
1: it's it's a I think it's just a hilarious show. It uh, features uh, uh, Alan Tudyk, who uh, was on Firefly and was in Dodgeball, and has been in a lot of different things that you'll see here and there. I mean, he's recognizable when you see him. Uh, if you don't know the name, but uh, just a hilarious show and I just started watching it, uh, uh, maybe the third episode or second episode in and I went back and, and uh, pretty much binge watch what was what was through that and and so yeah it's on sci fi at 10 o'clock on Wednesday nights, um, they just did their late, last episode last night. Uh, very good, really funny. Uh, I really like it. I'm not a big TV guy. Usually all I watch, you know, is baseball stuff and old movies. Uh, so it was kind of uh, uh, kind of unique. And I just caught it just because I always liked him in Firefly. And I figured, oh, I'll give it a shot. I'll watch an episode. It, it, it I thought it was just a great show.
3: Just something to pass. Firefly on. was awesome. Yeah. If you have Hulu, it's constantly being advertised on Hulu. It's like the pop-up screen when you log into your Hulu account. And I'd seen it a lot. And Tim mentioned I'm like we'll give it a shot and it is hilarious I am constantly laughing up oh, and I don't I don't watch a lot of sitcoms I watch I don't know we watch a disturbing amount of true crime stuff with serial killers in our house I'm not really sure what that why we do that but that's how my <laughs> wife and I put, roll
0: put you to sleep
3: <laughs> it's very soothing yeah, I watch, yeah. <laughs> we're watching a unabomber thing right now pretty good And then uh, Young Rock has been on. I don't know if anybody you other guys have watched it. It's, I mean, is it historically accurate? Not at all. It's ridiculous, but it's funny. And I just marvel at how much the actress who plays Rock's mom, Ada Johnson, looks like Ada because we've met her a few times at Cauliflower Alley, and she's super nice and super gracious. And this this actress looks so much like her. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean a lot of the actors too. Like you know the guy of the Iron Sheik, he he looks like him. He sounds like him. He's very funny. I mean, the Samoan guys look like the Samoans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Flair last week, not not a good no no, no that didn't they, work. They showed a picture of Greg Valentine this week, and I think it might have been the same actor as Rick Flair. Maybe not, but it <laughs> was not. They're not so they're not too good with the blonde wrestlers so far. But oh, and the guy who plays I mean, Andre the Giant is kind of funny too. He and, is. Right? So yeah. Yeah.
1: I thought they did a good job of of making the uh, you know the, the the one actor look like Rocky Johnson with the haircut yeah. and everything
0: else. Yeah, mean, I, his, I, his dad doesn't look too too far off.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I get a kick out of the Andre actor. Um, you know, I'm just being an Andre Mark, especially from The Princess Bride. Um, anybody that can kind of do a decent Andre voice is is entertaining to me. I was hoping they'd get Jason Sigal, who was on How I Met Your Mother, as he did a really good Andre, but. I'm sure he was out of the price range a little bit, but uh, uh, no, I think it's been an entertaining show, but yeah, definitely not historically accurate, just good entertainment and a good, good stories. You know, there's some, from what I understand, some truth to some of the stories, but maybe the timelines don't all um, mesh up that quite, you know, from what we've seen so far, I've seen that it's, it's one of the few shows that I, at least current run shows that I watch. Um, I haven't gotten to this week's episode yet, but I, I've enjoyed it. It's entertaining. So Cool. Well, how about the new
0: releases that are going on in the world of either uh, our independent sets, our Legends of Wrestling sets, or uh, the reimagined 2091? Let's start first, I guess, with Myron Reed. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, Yeah, we were talking before we started recording. Uh, Chad, Tim, and I got to see Myron Reed. I believe it was the 2018, no, 2017, I think it was, um, uh, George Tragos Luthez Hall of Fame show. He was part of the uh, Hall of Fame Classic Tournament, and uh, very very talented young young athlete. If you've never seen him before, I was really impressed with him, and uh, I, I remember thinking at the show, I'd love to have him in the indie line of the game. So to have whoever signed him, thank you, well done, um, great great athlete.
3: Yeah, good kid, really nice kid. Another you know good young wrestler in the game. I don't really know where he's currently competing competing, but um,
2: we're happy to have him. I, I know he did a little bit of ring of honor before the pandemic, but yeah, the last year I haven't really followed up with or followed him too much. So
0: we had on from the legends line, the great gamma, uh, who's becoming a favorite of mine. If nothing for nothing else, his diet. Oh my gosh. The guy ate a lot of butter.
3: So as we were getting the artwork ready and finding some samples for uh, Warner the running joke became that his giant mace scepter thing that he has, Stuart would like it because it would fill it with eggnog. <laughs> so, i would probably fit into his diet, too. I, but, you know, eggnog is really just liquid butter, isn't it?
0: Right. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Gigi and I would have gotten along famously.
3: Gigi. <laughs> GG yeah. to his friends. Yeah. Un- un- to until, the Nog fans. <laughs> until
1: he made you do, you know, like 15,000 Hindu squats. Then maybe... Nestle Hindu
0: won. squats those volumes were a a little intense yeah (laughs) it is going to be i think yeah it is amazing Uh, he was a physical freak i I think promoters are really going to like using that card i really do i think he's going to be a lot more interesting than they than people thought Mm -hmm. and then last we have the reimagined count necros any thoughts on this one guys Yeah, yeah i
3: mean glad to have count necros another favorite love the phantom dust
1: yeah yeah not my not my favorite artwork of the set but uh you know, uh, hey, that, you know, that they can't all be aces, right, so, um, but yeah, he was, he was a good character, you know, unique kind of guy, uh, you know, kind of, kind of taking advantage of the little vampire craze that was going on at the time, um, so yeah, I, I, you know, it's uh, nice to see him revealed, I'm, I'm uh, interested to see how some of the other, uh, other ones are, are gonna, gonna show up so
0: far down the line. Who are we missing in this set? We've had Justice. We haven't had Mayhem, right?
3: Um, Whiplash Guardsman. Oh yeah, Guardsman. Yeah. Yep.
0: Guardsman. yep. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, Serpent Unman. Yeah. Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah,
0: I forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Mayhem's it's the biggie. Great. What it's are the they doing
1: for uh, for Matador? Are they using the? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. oh,
0: good question. Oh, yeah. That is a good
3: question. Uh-huh.
0: Matador will have gone from one card for forever to three cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: maybe it'll be a side shot of him you know since we got the front and the back yeah (laughs) overhead (laughs) yeah or or from his feet so he looks really tall yes on young rock yes we are excited about seeing what the what fans call us what do you think the man is gonna look like (laughs) leave (laughs) your
0: messages (laughs) one pose many angles
1: he only did one photo session. That was it. He's like, you got to get me now. <laughs> get it <Wow>. right, baby. <laughs>
0: it's this kind of expert analysis that you pay the big bucks to hear from Uncharted Territory fans. So with that, let's get into tonight's main event. Uh, the topic is going to be Jim Crockett Promotions Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling Memories, a territory that was near and dear to my heart. It was the, the first professional wrestling that I can ever I can remember. Uh, we got had it on each and every week. Weekend every Saturday right before ACC basketball it was quite the quite the doubleheader we had uh, Mid Atlantic Championship wrestling followed by ACC basketball and as uh, I was a kid in a candy store being as those two of my favorite things to watch on TV and we had the passing yesterday of Jim Crockett Jr. He wasn't the original patriarch of Jim Crockett Promotions but he certainly ushered in a very successful run for that promotion um, becoming a yeah, Becoming a competitor to WWF at the time, definitely. Uh, He he took him and put him on a national stage and ushered in, or it didn't usher in necessarily, but helped advance careers uh, of some big-time legends in in the sport. So to honor Mr. Crockett, we thought we would talk about our favorite either feuds, angles, matches. It'll be a potpourri of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling memories tonight uh, that each of us talk about, and each of us will launch in with our our favorite feuds or angles or matches, rivalries, what have you, and then uh, we can certainly have some give and take discussion as we go through it. Now I'm gonna start off uh, with my the the two that I, they're not necessarily the most vivid memories for me, but they're the two that stood out when I just when. We were originally putting this show together. And that the first one would be the main event from Starcade 83, which was Ric Flair versus Harley Race. Uh, the build up for this particular match, and this was uh, Starcade 83 A Flare for the Gold, was the title of Starcade that year. Um, it was down in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the buildup for this match was done exceptionally well uh, by Crockett Promotions. The Flair, uh, it, was, it was a steel cage match. If I remember correctly, Kaniski was the special referee, I think, for that, for that match. So that added yep. a little gravitas to have a former NWA champion there. Harley had the belt, and Harley had won the belt from Flair uh, back earlier in that summer. And then uh, Race, uh, showing how dastardly he was at the time, offered a bounty to put Flair out of wrestling. And I believe it was our own Bob Orton Jr. and Dick Slater. Uh, They attacked Flair uh, and appearing to uh, put him out of business with a career-threatening injury. They played that up so well. And, And Flair was out of commission for a while and even announced his retirement due to the injuries he suffered. So... The heat was really starting to build. Flair comes back. He's a face. Uh, he was he was way over as a baby face, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, certainly, positions as such. And then when he beat, he comes back to beat Harley in the steel cage in the main event, the Starcade, and all the world is all the world is good. Put him up on their shoulders. A bloodied Flair with the NWA belt, and that win really really solidified Flair as the man in Crockett Promotions. Um, and it was, it was well done. And it's an angle that I, I will always remember. Uh, and it was just perfectly played by the, uh, by the promotion itself. Uh, the other one that I remember, yeah, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, it just interjects as okay, whatever well, you guys want.
3: So over my shoulder, if you see the Rob Schamberger painting, it's a flair versus race. And that's actually from when race won the belt earlier. And in, in, I think it was in June of 83 in I think it was in Kansas City. I don't think it was that's right. City. That's Kansas right. City, right? Not St. Louis. Okay. I think it was so, Kansas City. Yeah. So that's from one of the first Pro Wrestling Illustrated's I ever bought. That article or that picture is in there. So um I thought the the angle of race putting the bounty on Flair and the whole injury thing that's on the first Ric Flair collection that WWE released on DVD. I don't know if they have those on the network. I know they have some of the DVDs stuff on there. Um, I, I don't know if it's out there, but definitely want to check that out as a cool angle. And I remember this match, and I'm going to talk about this later. But this was on the first wrestling tape that that uh, my friends and I ever rented on the Lords of the Ring tape. They had some of this stuff, um, but. You know, as I've gotten older and we rewatch the match, the one thing is Gene Kaninsky is a freaking terrible ref. And he yeah, really detracts was from this match. He's like, was awful. he's like, he's like doing some like shove and just some grab ass stuff to kind of remind you that he's there. And it's like taken away from the match. It's awful. But apparently as what I recall, and the story goes that was the first time the NWA belt changed hands in the steel cage, I think. I believe that it's match.
1: correct, yeah.
3: But yeah, the the visual at the end of all the baby faces coming out and hoisting flare up and everything, steamboats in there. Uh, I think Angelo Moscow's is in there. Um, Moscow was in there. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's right. He was. Um, one yeah, of the one of the, the things cool visuals. You
3: know, when
1: when you were talking about the build up, one of the things I liked was when they had all the regional NWA guys kind of sitting around a big boardroom table about who was going to get the match. Mm -hmm. and then then they announced that you know Jim Crockett promotions was getting the match and all that I just little stuff like that that you wouldn't even think about uh they just did a great job at at really putting all the pieces of that puzzle together and to to really get the crowd revved up
0: is that when they're sitting at the board table and Crockett's got the, the mics in front of him making the announcement is that is that the same thing yeah yeah they they did it well the other, the other one I remember, or that stuck out to me, and there's there's a zillion angles from that era of Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, but I, I had to educate Chad on the legendary Paul Jones and why he was such a legend. He, he just wasn't buying it. I think I think Chad's memories of of uh, PJ were more of the manager, and that was an abysmal time.
3: The Hitler mustache. Yes. That was (laughs) freaking fabulous representation there for Paul Jones.
0: Oh God. Paul Jones and, and his first wild partner Wahoo McDaniel were two of my absolute favorites in mid Atlantic. So they paired them together and and Paul Jones was the man. He was a big time baby face in mid Atlantic. And they, the tag team of Paul Jones and Wahoo McDaniel had a great feud with, with Oli and Gene Anderson. Um, I'm an old geezer, uh, so Gene Anderson to me was was the best partner Ole ever had. Uh, Arn was good, don't don't get me wrong, but Gene was great. Those two were fantastic together, and they did an angle, or did an angle. They did a feud with with those two teams that was just red hot. It was the mid '70s, and it culminated in this now legendary match where the Andersons take on Wahoo and Paul Jones, uh, I believe. Paul Jones and Wahoo had the belts. And the match is just fantastic. I'm pretty sure it was on TV, if memory serves me correct. And they, it's called uh, Gene makes the supreme sacrifice, and then Ole takes, uh, I think it was Wahoo, rams Wahoo's head into brother, brother in air quotes, Gene's head, so that it KOs both men, but it results in Ole getting the pin, and the Andersons get the tag team's titles back. And that was played up to the hilt that the Andersons would do anything to get the tag titles back. And that that feud was white hot, somewhat of an homage to the fact that Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling really had its roots in tag team wrestling. Uh, it was known as a tag team territory prior to Johnny Valentine getting there and then all the others following in behind him. Uh, and they showed once again that they could do tag team wrestling quite well. And... Um, it was, it was a great feud. I remember it. It was a, a lot of fun. The Andersons were way over as monster heels or whatever monster heels were defined in, in that day and age. And just, it was great. And I, I love Paul Jones and Wahoo McDaniel, so I was certainly pulling for that team. When they lost, it was a bummer. So I don't know if you guys have any reflections on that, but it, it really established the greatness of Paul Jones. And that's that's what I want to drive home here. Paul Jones was the man in Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And should we ever get his card, he's going to have six finishers. I'm telling
3: you that now. Okay. I mean, I've seen some of his stuff in Florida and Mid-Atlantic and <laughs> since then. and I mean, I can see why a young Stuart Lowry would be into Paul Jones. Absolutely. And the finish that you were describing, I, I think since George Scott was the booker in the wwf you know around wrestlemania 2 i think that's probably where they got that finish from for the bulldogs valentine beefcake match they do the same oh, thing yeah. you know but uh that <laughs> Val- or dynamite takes a much more violent dive to the floor than i would imagine yeah. gene anderson did
1: yeah
3: um but no because i've seen some of that stuff on you know like the mid-atlantic films the quote-unquote cornet garbage tapes where you know is wcw or turner bought them and they were throwing out stuff and this janitor called Cornet and he fished them literally out of the dumpster, out of the garbage. And, you know, I have those and there's, there's some good stuff on there, even though it's just a bunch of footage, no commentary, very little of it has crowd noise even, but there's, there's plenty of Andersons and Paul Jones and Wahoo on those things too. All
2: right. I getting on it. Go ahead, Cor. Well, I just wanted to connect to Gene Anderson if I could for a minute. You know, he's a, he is, I believe the only official one whose name was Anderson in real life and uh, fun story. He was, he grew up around here in the twin cities. I'm actually coaching my team at his high school this Saturday. Uh, there's a picture of him in their wrestling room from when he wrestled for them. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Get remember, out of here. That's awesome. Oh, That's yeah. Cool. The first, the first time I was there and it's been, you know, seven or eight years since I was first there, but, and, uh, walking around the wrestling room you know they got kind of a little hall of fame of wrestlers who wrestled at south st paul high school and i'm looking i'm like that guy kind of the face of that guy kind of looks familiar even as a high school guy he looked old I mean, he's always <laughs> looked old i mean yeah. he, looked,
3: he looked 80
0: years
2: old when he yeah. was 30 it's just,
0: yeah, yeah but
2: you know even though yeah he's got that even as a high school he had that grimacing heel face and yeah. uh yeah, so he's he, he was Did he had the South big
3: sideburns? Did he have the sideburns
0: then? <laughs> I'm gonna look
2: at, I'm gonna look, I'll report next week. <laughs>
0: Those were prominent. Yeah. At
3: first, Corey, I thought you meant that the high school was named after him. I'm like, no. there's a Gene Anderson High School? <laughs> no, no. no like, South, like, I see. The South St. Paul High School. Yeah. Where Gene Anderson is an alumnus. Correct.
2: That is correct. That's a better way to say it. Yes. And he was he was a, Chad, I'm sorry to say he was a Packer, they're the South St. Paul Packers yeah
0: <laughs> uh, if, if promoters are interested one of the cornet tapes you can go on youtube and find it there's a night there's a match from 77 between same two teams this is two years after i think i think they i think their big match was 74 75 something like that um there is a match about it's clip about three or four minutes but the the pace is the interesting thing to me versus the lickety split don't waste a second uh get every spot in you can style of tag team wrestling today this this was really well gene anderson might not have been a single star but it it was it was almost just like four single stars if you will in a tag team bout the pace was very slow and Mm -hmm. deliberate and just just interesting to contrast it with today's tag team matches yeah
3: all 18 volumes of the cornet garbage tapes are on youtube i just looked at so just put in cornet garbage tapes and they're all there they're they're in from you know hour 15 to a couple hours pretty it's pretty cool stuff there's like some random florida or mid-atlantic there's like random tv in there but it's mostly just crowd footage you know that they pro shot i think for arena highlights and stuff some of them are duplicative i don't know if this person cleaned them up when they posted them and stuff but there's just a lot of a lot of cool stuff out there so yeah ollie and gene and art nielsen versus rip hawk sweet hansen and gary hart
0: hmm. there you go make my bill <laughs> so those were my memories of mid-atlantic uh Tim, what are some of some of your uh, favorite memories in terms of Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling or rivalries or feuds that stick out in your head?
1: You know, when uh, when I was a kid, I I was growing up in Rochester, New York, uh, about an hour and a half, say, away from Buffalo, and I remember getting Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling on a Buffalo TV station. I believe it was Channel Two here in Buffalo. On my parents' TV, when you had the rabbit ears and you had to put the aluminum foil and you had to get a clear day and it had to be just right, you could get you could get to see the Mid-Atlantic uh, wrestling show. And that was my first exposure to something that wasn't either the NWF or WWF. And it was just so different and so good. Um, and I remember they would advertise shows in Buffalo and Toronto. And my parents, a a lot of times over the summer would go up to to Toronto and Canada, uh, just just to hang out, just for vacation. And so we were talking about it and they were big wrestling fans. And we wound up going up there maybe two or three times a year for shows at Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, So I got to actually see Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling in Toronto, which sounds weird, but I, I know that the Tunnies had been working with uh, Jim Crockett uh, since I think it was 78, and uh, some great stuff up there. I saw uh, you know Roddy Piper against Andre the Giant, which basically sold the place out, and one of the best matches, probably still uh, one of the best 10 matches I've ever seen live. Uh, The very first defense of the Mid-Atlantic title in Toronto at the Maple Leaf Gardens, Uh, Ivan Koloff against Ricky uh, Ricky Steamboat, great match, Uh, Koloff won, uh, rolled him up with a handful of tights, but I just remember leaving and thinking that was just outstanding, and uh, so, so I have those. Uh, memories of, of going up there and getting the stranglehold program. Uh, that was the name of the, the programs they would sell at the arena. Um, so that, that was kind of big for me because I really didn't get to see a lot of the TV growing up on, until we kind of morphed into the, uh, you know, the later years. And then basically anything that was flair and steamboat was great. I wish we had a rivalry like that today. I think that's one of the things really kind of missing in wrestling is you don't have those, those two people, you know, that when they're matched up, you're like, man, I got to get this, I got I to see this match. Um, and then probably the best, one of the best buildups, probably similar to, like you said, for Starrcade, just the whole uh, Steamboat and Youngblood against Slaughter and kernodal. I, I think you had four people in there, you had the two real headline guys and Steamboat and Slaughter. Uh, but, but Jay Youngblood, once I started watching that on the network, I mean, he became one of my favorites. I mean, he was just great. And Kernodle is so mm-hmm. underrated. Um, uh, a, a, by the way, a former uh, Canadian TV champion uh, that, that, that he, uh, he won in Toronto beating Mike Rotundo, uh who, who won the initial one night tournament. I was actually there for that. Uh, but I mean, these four guys were all just great. They could go. They knew how to really present everything. Uh, I, I just, I just thought it was great and uh, just a, a, a great time. Uh, and then once they kind of became WCW, probably you know my biggest memory there would be the New York Knockout, uh, the the Clash, and probably and that's probably the best match I've ever seen live is the Flair Funk. I quit. Um, and you also had the big reaction there when uh, with the Dynamic Dudes and. Midnight Express when Cornet turned heel but the whole crowd cheered when he when he bopped Shane Douglas in the head with the racket so uh but yeah those are the things that I remember most I think it's just uh you know being is but going the going up to Toronto with my folks I mean that was that that was special that was just a a lot of fun and just a completely different atmosphere.
0: Flair steamboat holds up today I mean it's just you put that in anytime. Those guys just absolutely brought the best out of each
1: other. I wish, you know, some of their stuff from like 77, 78, when they were both kind of, you know, yeah. getting going, I wish some a lot more of that was available because they both said that, you know, those were some of the best matches they ever had.
3: They did. So I'm, I'm jealous you got to go to Maple Leaf Gardens and see the ramp. That's That was so cool. I remember the one of the, like, probably the first tape I ever bought was this, wwf's greatest matches and it was anything but because one of the matches was beefcake and valentine versus the hillbillies (laughs) Uh, but there was i mean there's only three matches it was really short coliseum home video one was the chic backland title change then the other one was hogan orndorff and it was just a house show but it was from maple leaf garden so the big ramp was there so the ramp
1: was special i mean that was part of the whole yeah presentation i mean when they came out um and uh it it was really cool i mean we had a number of times we were up there where we sat we were maybe second or third row ringside on you know right by the ramp
3: cool so it
1: it was really neat watching these guys come out you know and kind of looking up to your to your right and just seeing these guys like walking right next to you um and 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 even talking to the fans there too i mean it was but it was i mean the ramp was special that was part of the whole show you know uh because they would they would fight outside the ring and go out under the ramp and body slam guys on the ramp and it, it was it, it was really neat.
0: That's awesome.
3: Yeah, that steamboat young blood versus slaughter and matches match is fantastic, and just the whole buildup for that. Um, you know those those things are also on YouTube if you want to check that out. Just look for NWA Final Conflict nineteen eighty three. So it, it one video looks to have like the undercard and then there's a, another one because one of the DVDs that came out was called Road to Greensboro and it's all the stuff leading up to that. And I can't remember one of them was actually made by um, Jim Nelson slash Boris Zukoff from his own collection. And then the other match, like one of them is cut off because somebody who lent the tape to Arne Anderson, I don't know, there's a bunch of hoo-ha behind it. But all that stuff's out there if you want to check it out. And, you know, you can certainly check out the Mid-Atlantic stuff on WWE Network. While while it's still there, apparently with WWE Network moving to Peacock, people are concerned that a lot of the older stuff is not going to be transitioned. So um, if you have any, not that we would advocate illegal capturing devices here on Uncharted Territory. But if you have one then you might want to be capturing a bunch of that stuff or, or just, you know, put it in the back quarterly memories of your, memories your mind.
0: Well, Tim, thank you for those. Those were great. Corey Olson. What are your uh, thoughts, impressions, memories of mid Atlantic championship wrestling?
2: Well, actually I kind of, you know, focusing a little bit more on the later Jim Crockett promotions when they went national, obviously I wouldn't have seen mid Atlantic first run. And as I think I've talked about before, you're here on the King of pro wrestling podcast you know, I can, my time of actively following wrestling was about 1988. So just at the end of the official Jim Crockett promotions and when, when Ted Turner bought the company, but, you know, going back and watching stuff through the network or old tapes and, and DVDs, um, even though I wasn't alive to see him first run, they're definitely memories that I, that I have, um, you know, Tim mentioned Jim Cornette and I'm a big Jim Cornette fan and listening to his podcasts you know, he kind of tells a lot of the behind the scenes stories about the things, the angles and the stuff he was involved in, in in Jim Crockett promotions. Um, The whole midnight express road warriors, 1986 feud leading up to the night of the skywalkers at starcade. Um, You know, just the spectacle behind the night of the skywalkers, obviously not a classic match in the, in the Dave Meltzer five-star rating scale, but just the crowd heat and, you know, just the, Um, yeah, just the tension there, uh, you know, the midnight throw powder at them right away and, and the fans are all pissed off thinking the road warriors are going to get cheated out of things. And, and then of course, you know, the classic fall by Cornette off the scaffold at the end, just that shot. Um, I know there was the best of Starcade tape from, I think 83 to 87. So basically the Jim Crockett years. And, um, as they kind of show clips in the opening, they show Corny falling off the scaffold. And, um, of course, poor guy got injured for real, but, uh, you know just that just that sight of him falling and getting what what he deserved um it was just just a great memory um you know and and, and Jim Crockett promotions just had a knack for building up matches like that and you know when you think of the first war games you know something that's been resurrected here in NXT in the last few years uh but that, especially that first war games uh, match or that series in the 87 great american bash tour um Again, just the the visual of two rings, a cage over both of them, roof on the cage, and this team concept and just, um, you know, beating, you had to to win by by submission, Um, just really built up that this was going to be something big. Um, And it was just a, just a cool concept, you know, they used it for a few years kind of off and on there, even really up till the end of WCW, that was something that really carried over. Um, Sometimes done better than others, but uh, those early years, they just really, really made it a big deal. Um, And then, you know, just especially from doing research for Legends cards and just network binging in general, um, I just love those WCW, the TBS World Championship Wrestling, the Saturday Night 605 time slot, um, you know, the the 80s years, um, small studio, but fired up crowd, um, kind of coming off the heels of Georgia championship wrestling and that tradition. But, you know, the crowd just, they love their baby faces and even some of the heels, you know, the women would love Ric Flair um, just the energy that the fans had, you know, they, whether they thought of it as real or, or not, they bought into the product and you, you could tell that each week. Um, you know, I loved i I, I helped, with a lot of the the boogie woogie jimmy valiant card the the color card re-release and that was the that was fun to watch you know here i just wish you could actually see the the boy from new york city song rather than the cheap generic wwe knockoff music um although that that the wwe when i heard it so many times from watching all those squash matches it kind of became a catchy tune (laughs) but um and i know and looking at our notes here for the show you know um chad's gonna uh, talk about the Clash of the Champions, but was, I'll jump in on that later. But uh, yeah, there was just even as a young kid, I remember liking NWA, WCW more, um, even though a lot of my friends were WWF fans because of Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and these these larger than life guys. But I just there was just something about the NWA that I really got into even as a younger kid the the more little bit more serious nature of it overall and the fans. The fans, just those crowds on those TV shows just really made it. So um, it was, yeah, as, as, as Stu, I think you kind of said in the intro here, you know, Crockett was a serious opponent for Vince for those first few years, um, you know, and, and in several markets, the NWA outdrew the WWF and, um, you know, sadly, sometimes that gets forgotten or erased from history, but he, he, he wanted to put up a fight. He wasn't just going to lay down. So just a great, great legacy that he leaves behind.
3: I want to echo the love for the studio shows because I didn't, you know, I mentioned before we didn't have cable. So my friend Troy who has been on the show. He had this, one of those giant satellite dishes. So I'd see it at his house or go to a friend's house who lived, you know, in town and just the, the squash matches with the midnight express became a favorite even then when I was like 15, 16, um just the the people being so loud or like you mentioned the heels being cheered for i vividly remember because you know when the anderson's wrestled we called them arm bar matches because all they did was work the arm right and you know so only or arm one of them had a guy in an arm bar and the crowd is chanting break it (laughs) (laughs) it was they were just so vocal you know and it was just a lot of fun to watch that and you know the war games as you mentioned Corey. those were that was such a cool innovation and even though it's it's outside of the jim crockett time frame i would say the war games were pretty good until about 92 or so
2: yeah oh yeah
3: and i I just remember i think it was the 89 one yep and steve williams is pressing terry gordy into the roof of the cage and he's yeah he's pressing this near 300 (laughs) pound guy and bouncing him off the frick of the top of the cage you know and then you have sid damn near killing bro oh, on that yes. power bomb and then he picks him up and does it again where he swung him up so high
2: yeah head yep. hit
3: the cage you know so a lot a lot of cool memories yes from, from those matches
0: and the crowds were so
1: hot i mean yeah. They,
0: they, yeah. It, 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 absolutely, yeah. it's just i hate to sound like you know an old codger but it's just not like the crowds of today i mean they were oh. They were into it for being for the sake of being into the match, not into yes. it to be part of the match.
2: And, so. and you know, and I don't, you know, again, comparing to WWF at the time, you know, you'd watch the Saturday night's main events or superstars or whatever shows. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of crowd sweetening on those, I'm guessing. You know, I don't remember off the top of my head. But you just notice watching the TV product, you know, yeah, WWF had kind of a little more professional look. But the crowds at the NWA cards just... I mean they loved it they were into everything you know and it just that that made a difference
0: the older i get the nuttier the the uh scaffold match <laughs> <laughs> i know i know I know. the heck wanted to do that <laughs> yeah well and i don't think you
1: know when when they did this i mean you're not going to have a five-star match on a scaffold so yeah. And, and what they did was kind of realistic too. They're up there, they're, they're kind of testing out, you know, is it shaky? What's yep. going on? Yep. And everybody was a little bit scared of falling off. And I mean, you know, you would be too, if you're falling off a scaffold yep. you know, 20 feet above the ring or however high it was above the ring. Um, so it made sense, but it didn't make for great wrestling. That's for sure. It did
0: not.
3: But that was the main event in Greensboro that year. Right. I think. Because I think yes. they split, they split the show between Greensboro and Atlanta, and did the closed circuit gimmick. And I think, you know, so even though it wasn't a quality match, I think that match, you know, helped sell out Greensboro. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Step, well, oh, yeah. Oh,
0: it was a novel concept. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because
3: didn't the Road Warriors they did a they did a promo where they threw a pumpkin off the scaffold? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then, uh, you know, the Clash of the Champions. Even though they're, I think they were built to be like an equivalent of a Saturday Night's main event, right? They just seem so much bigger because I think the matches were higher quality in terms of just more main event type matches. You know, I mean, you still had some undercard stuff. You know, when when um, Barry Windham defended against Brad Armstrong on that second one. I mean, yeah, you knew Barry was probably going to win, but well, I'll I'll talk a little bit next about some of my favorite memories um you know as i mentioned before Starcade 83 that was the first wrestling tape i remember my group of friends and i renting uh it was the lord of the rings videotape that Pro Wrestling illustrated put out and you know and, and maybe we rented it at the same time as as wrestlemania one i remember us renting those two a lot and watching the shit out of them and the match that stands out to me from Starcade 83 on that tape was the dog collar match between piper and valentine and so you know we're watching that match and then we're watching piper as a bad guy in and WWF at the same time but it's like man i really like roddy piper now you know it just kind of struck a chord and you know i was a piper fan pretty much from the moment i saw him you know um another cool thing i liked was the great american bash in particular the 1986 tour um you know they really hyped that flair was defending his belt against all these different opponents and i'm not going to say that i originated the great Galaxian bash name for gwf because i know i saw it in those old newsletters we reviewed but i definitely adopted that same thing and did a series and i did that for a couple summers because you know it's kind of hey out of school you know do, do that sort of thing. And, and just that whole tour idea and, and trying to make your champion go through that. And I know other folks have done that, you know, as well. I think Thomas Keane has talked about doing that and lots of other people where you have this whole tour concept and can you get through. And I don't recall any of my champs ever <laughs> running the gauntlet, so to speak, you know, they weren't as, as mid card, maybe as some of the Saturday night's main event ones where, you know, Coco wears fighting Ted DBS. It's like, okay, we pretty much got that one figured out, you know, yeah. And like I said, we didn't have cable, so people would record them for us. We watch, get the tape the next day at school, or my dad had a, a employee who would tape them for us sometimes. And I still have some of those tapes around here, I'm sure.
2: So, yeah, I, were you going to say some? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the clashes too, kind of what I was talking about a, a bit ago. But yeah, you just I was I was got more excited for the clashes than the Saturday nights main events. Um, and I'm actually slowly but watching through all the clashes on the network right now in order. So. Um, hopefully the hopefully those all go to Peacock uh, because I'm right I'm at clash number 17 which is the end of 1991 when Rick Rude wins the U.S. title from Sting and after Sting gets ambushed earlier on the show but even even some of those post Jim Crockett clashes just had you know just some big time you felt like a big time match Um, you know even sometimes it was positioned as this is leading up to our pay-per-view event but it had um, implications for that pay-per-view event so you had to watch and and some of the clashes are kind of around 1990-91 you'd kind of get some guys in for like a one-time stint you know they had the LPWA women's champion defend in fall of 90 Um, there's of course the classically bad match with the night stalker against sid and um but yeah you kind of get some almost the equivalent of indie guys getting a a one-time shot uh on on national tv so that was just kind of a cool way cool showcase for them
3: and then you know kind of tying into our whole theme of our podcast um the last recollection i have is the the nwa superstar pro wrestling set from 1988 um when superstar pro started and we'll get into that more someday um they were on full sheets of paper just but sheets of paper not cardstock right tim
1: i think it was a thicker i I think it was a thicker cardstock okay it it wasn't you know uh like fantastic but it it was definitely thicker than just a, a regular sheet of paper
3: okay so um, I may have copied Tim's at one point. So my copies are <laughs> sheets of paper. So, but, and then it went to to half sheets, which is the sets that I started off with, where it was a colored cardstock, you know, r- red with blue ink and and that sort of thing. But they were only half, half sheet of paper and just a vertical up and down. And then with the 1988 set, they finally, they, you know, obviously worked out a deal with, Crockett, because they went back to having people's names on the cards. So you know, for a few years, there was about three sets that came out where you they were blank and you just filled it in, but you could tell from the move set who it was. They went back to full sheets of paper. They had a picture of the wrestler on there, a photo of the wrestler on there, and um you know, it was just kind of cool. And they made Tower of Doom rules, and I think I tried running that once, and I don't remember that being a real. Fun match. There was a lot of math involved with that one. Um uh, <laughs> Superstar Pro, you kept track of points and everything each round. So that that one was kind of a clunker, but um and, and that was the last set that Superstar Pro ever put out. Yeah. It was that nineteen eighty eight NWA one. So didn't you know still, they uh in that one, didn't they cut the ropes yeah.
1: results from, from twelve from two through twelve through one through six? Yeah, to
3: fit the picture on. Yep. Yeah. So they could get yep, yeah,
1: that's right. Okay
3: yep so they um but it had and it only had 18 guys instead so, you know usually there's 25 to 30 guys and i think probably just due to the cost of printing the full sheets of cardstock with the picture and everything i mean the production qualities went up but you know it had a lot of the um you know it had the four horsemen it had sting and luger and road warriors and midnights and That's kevin sullivan and jimmy garvin stuff like that so it, it had a lot of cool guys from that time period and i think maybe they had a did they have barbed wire rules in that or maybe that was 87 i can't remember yeah. maybe it was just the tower of doom but you know that was kind of a you know grand finale for superstar pro was was that last set
1: and the the, the flare and dusty cards in there were really tough too they, it, they didn't yes. uh
3: they, they did not compare well
1: to the uh, the predecessor cards that had come out in the other editions because they went very heavy on the pin attempts and stuff like that so there were a lot more chances to to take your opponent out
0: right the P- the pc version i play with when i use that nwa 88 set uh version of flare that, that is a tough card mm-hmm. <laughs> a card wins most of the time
1: yeah dusty's right behind it too yep.
0: Dusty was tough too and that game still has a devoted following Appreciate it, fellas. Those are some great memories. Rest in peace, Jim Crockett, Jr. Uh, it was a, a, a an era that I'm certainly very fond of and uh, the glory years of wrestling in my lifetime, at least. Uh, and it was a phenomenal run by that particular promotion. Thanks for sharing those. That was a lot of fun to listen to.
3: It'll be interesting to see what tomorrow's Observer is like, you know, because yeah. I, I don't mean to be cold or anything but the best observer issues are usually when melzer's writing somebody's obituary you know
0: oh, they are by far there's just yeah, so sure. much history sure. and
3: somebody like this you know i i mean and, and these days so much of the observer rightfully so is devoted into tv ratings and the business aspect and aew versus wwf and you know the unending ufc coverage and I just wish he would take more time to devote it to the history because there's nobody, nobody better at writing historical pieces than Dave Meltzer. It may not be the well most well structured sentence. Sometimes we joke about a like, lot the uncapped parentheses that <laughs> just die off.
0: The sentences but, um, that do not end.
3: Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know, grammar aside, <laughs> the uh, the history pieces he does are great. And, you know, regardless of what you think of Dave Meltzer's Twitter account or social media presence, he's he's still a fantastic writer. You know, I've met Dave a couple times and what he portrays on Twitter doesn't really seem like what he is like in real life. So I don't know, maybe just trying to keep the fan base involved or something, but it'll be interesting to see. This could be a, a crazy outstanding issue of The Observer. I hope so. Uh, yeah.
0: Because he is, he is phenomenal on history. Well, guys, I, as we are uh, drawing to the close of yet another fantastic edition of Uncharted Territories, Uncharted Territory, I th- thought we'd uh, go around the room and see if anybody had particular shout outs or words of parting before we wrap this puppy up.
3: Um, yeah, I want to give a, a little plug for the um, Impact Pro Wrestling, the group that I am involved with. Uh we ran a Facebook live show on um Sunday. And there was had uh three big title matches and then the finals of a title tournament. So lots of titles going on, but it was a lot of fun. So you know, check that out. If you look up Impact Pro Wrestling on Facebook and look for our live event, uh we'll probably be doing in one in a couple weeks. We do those on Sunday afternoons, and then we may be dipping our toe back into um promoting live events. It's been kind of approved in the state of Iowa. Um, I mean, we can now get a, a license from the state athletic commission. Yeah. We'll maybe be running a, running a show here soon and putting some highlights out there. And I'll let you know, we might be doing some live streaming of the, the show as well. And then just want to give shout outs to everybody who took time to um, comment on the last episode or interview with Chuck Carter. I think a lot of people had fun with that. I know the Mayhem is Jay Leno. Comment has brought up a lot of people saying, Now I can't unsee mayhem. So I guess we'll see what (laughs) Warner does with mayhem to see if that the chin trend continues. But that was awesome. You know, thanks to Grant, thanks to Mad Dog 1981, Trav 605. Who else we got here? Lee. I'm going through my list. Pete Back, Wayne or the winner and Wayne, I apologize. I have not been to the post office. I will get there this weekend. Now I know what Todd goes through. Uh, Emperor yep. Norton. Good guy. Um, no, I'm not talking. I'm not going to compliment Corey. He commented in her own thread. That's kind of douchey. Matt, Kevin Butcher and the faction our Denmark listeners. So thank you for, for taking the time to do that. We really appreciate that. And then just a plug for next week. Um, we were going to have a different topic today, but then, uh, you know, after, uh, Mr. Crockett passed away last night, I shot the guy's a message this morning. It's like, how about we do this? So next week we'll probably do the coverage of the infamous legends of wrestling 2010 draft. And Stuart will be the special interviewer for that because we did not like him in 2010. So we did not invite him to participate in the draft. he will be the referee. Yeah. (laughs) But after we get, uh, get through that um, down the road early on uh, Pike Mojo had requested that we do a draft with the current roster of, of legends guys. So we might do that maybe lead into summer or something in a few months. And then finally, just again, with, um, we appreciate your patience is our recording schedule. It will get done each week. It's just going to jump around normally record on Tuesday nights and have things launched by Friday and with my son's little league schedule that might bounce around a little bit for the upcoming weeks, So we appreciate your patience and uh, thank you for listening.
2: Thank you, Chad. Corey, do you have anything? Yeah, I'll just give uh, some shout outs to our usual podcasting buddies. Uh, Grant at the uh, Phil, Singer Fan, uh, Phil Singer Games Fan Podcast, who also sent in audio tonight. Thanks for being a loyal listener and contributor. Uh, Sam Fain at the King of Pro Wrestling. Stephen Tower from After Further Review. Uh, Dave Little in the Heartland Championship Wrestling Play on YouTube. So thank you guys for your continued content of the game. Um, and i also put in a plug for Impact Pro Wrestling. Um, they put on some great Facebook shows, and um, definitely check those out. We'll put the link uh, to their Facebook page in the podcast notes so you can go there and, and uh, find uh, this last week's episode. Um, I admit I haven't watched it yet, and I'm, I'm sad to say that, but I saw the uh, results, and uh, one of my favorite IPW wrestlers – Got championship gold for the first time. So I was very excited to see that. He's a, a talented young man. So, sounds like then, have, yeah, go ahead.
0: It sounds like you all had your own clash of champions, Chad.
2: It was
3: actually called, what was it called? Triple title, triple slam down in Titan, slam town or something.
2: I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't come up
3: with the name. <laughs> we don't normally name our shows, but I think our, uh, the gentleman who is kind of our producer of the shows, you could say, Runs all the cameras and everything was having some fun when he posted the event links. So.
0: Very well, Tim. How about yourself? Just, uh,
1: just a just a couple things. Uh, first, uh, I, I just want to kind of let our listeners know, uh, with Stu and I being the big baseball fans on the podcast. Uh, once spring training is over, we will be doing a uh, a hopefully uh, a brief uh, summary <laughs> with with our predictions of the upcoming uh, MLB season. Um, so I, I wouldn't take these to, to, to Vegas and that, not, not Zeke Vegas, but Las Vegas. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll try and, uh, you know, give you our idea of, of who we think is, is going to win what. And then, uh, staying on the baseball, uh, side of things. I know there are some, uh, Rochester, New York, either natives or people who spent some time in Rochester on the board. It would be remiss of me growing up in Rochester to not, uh, bring up the passing of Rochester's Mr. Baseball. Uh, Joe Altabelli, former Major League Manager of the Year, spent time with the Giants, the Yankees, the uh, the Orioles, um, and was also probably the greatest manager of the Rochester Red Wings uh, of all time. He was a great minor league player. He had a 36-game hitting streak at one point. He uh, led the International League one year in home runs and RBIs. So uh, very good minor league player, Uh, had a cup of coffee in the majors, but really kind of made his mark as a manager, passed away. And uh, uh, he was, I mean, he lived this, after he came to Rochester, he lived his entire life there and uh, was just a super, super guy. And uh, he will definitely be missed in that community. So I just wanted to bring that
3: up. I bet he got addicted to garbage plates and said, I'm not leaving (laughs) Rochester. How
2: how can you not? Yeah. Why, why would I, I ever leave? Yes. Yes. I think we have everything
0: to... Everything
1: I need is here.
0: <laughs> we need to have a live simulcast where we're all eating garbage plates in Rochester. We, we need to go visit
3: Timmer and we could have like yes. a live taste test. Yes. Absolutely. That would be awesome. I think that would be that's fantastic. why Brody Lee never
1: left Rochester. As well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would not either. Said, he said he had a, I remember reading an interview with him where he said he had a watch, he had a watch, the garbage plate intake. Uh, you know, trying to stay in shape.
0: Well, well said, Tim. And with that, just like to thank our, our loyal listeners, our, pro- our promoters who, who make Uncharted territory the, the show that it is. <laughs> we appreciate so much your patronage. And... It's sad
1: that we can't say that without laughing. <laughs> uh, but... Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> and good night, Denmark.
2: Thank you. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star The World's Most Dangerous Man, Ken Shamrock, former WWE Champion and Olympic Powerlifter Mark Henry, six-time former WWE Women's Champion Trish Stratus, and the Dean of Professional Wrestling Gordon Solie. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wompler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament, Featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also, meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. For the complete list of guests, check out the Luthes George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa.